0: But uh, that song as we sang before uh, going to God's Word this morning was, was a, great, a great prayer for our heart when we come to open the scriptures, that God would, would, would illumine our minds and open our hearts and show us his words of life. And, and that's my prayer this morning, that as we, as we open up his word, that it wouldn't be just going through the motions, what we realize is God's Word to us and it's words of life that he's given to us. To, to live life and live it abundantly. A few years ago in the suburbs of Pittsburgh, a crime was committed, committed that was motivated by years of bitter frustration. George Sedini, a 40-year-old computer programmer, walked into an all-female exercise class at an L.A. fitness club. He turned off the lights and he opened fire, killing three women and injuring nine before committing suicide. And in that class, and all those ladies, he knew none of those ladies in that class. The shooting spree was driven by a bitter hatred of women. George hadn't had a girlfriend in 25 years, and he felt like women ignored him, and none found him attractive. 20 years, 25 years of bitter and lonely frustration finally gave way to an out-of-control revenge with a, self, with a senseless act of violence. This morning, we're continuing our series on soul detox, and we're talking about a toxic emotion. And that toxic emotion is bitterness. It's one that uh, we're really good at, at, at hiding inside us for a time, and it builds and builds and builds until it erupts. And so this morning, we're going to talk about battling bitterness. And if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to Genesis chapter 4, we want to look first at, at where bitterness was first displayed in the Bible. And, and as we think about uh, uh, the stories of Scripture, last week we, you know, we were talking about secret sin, uh, the hazardous waste of secret sin, and we looked at Genesis chapter 3 and, and the account of the fall of man and how sin came onto the scene. Well, not, at, not long after Genesis chapter 3 do we find the first case of bitterness found in the Bible. In chapter 4 of Genesis. And the first five verses say this Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept the flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. And here in, in, in um, Genesis chapter 4, we see, uh, we see the first case of bitterness, and we see that Cain, Cain and Abel bring an offering to God, and we see Cain's offering was rejected, while Abel's was accepted. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of speculation of why that is. And, and we read through Leviticus, and it talks about a lot of different offerings. But the reality is we don't really know why. Why um, uh, Cain's was rejected and Abel's was slain. Uh, and, and Abel's was accepted. And, and, and it's not really clear. But instead of inquiring why his, his, his offering was unacceptable, Cain chose to get bitter. And he chose to get angry, assuming that God was playing favorites. So, so instead of, you know, asking God, well, why, why did you accept my brother's offering? Cain just got bitter, and he got angry, and he just thought, you know what, God is playing favorites. He's playing favorites. As we read on in verses 6 and 7, Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will not the Lord accept you? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. After Cain got angry for having his offering rejected, it's interesting. The Lord comes to, uh, God comes to Cain and he speaks to him. He speaks to Cain. And, and, and that interaction, it tells us that, you know what? God had not rejected Cain, just his offering. And God goes to speak to Cain, and, and, and God is encouraging to do what is right. God is, is, is interacting with Cain and says, Cain, you need to do what is right. I haven't rejected you. You need to do what is right. But he also warned him that if he didn't come to his senses and do right, sin would win in his life. And so Cain, Cain is interacting with God, and, and God is trying to get Cain to, uh, to choose to do what is right. In verses 8 to 10, it goes on, Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I do not know, he replied. Am I my my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. It's interesting, Cain ignored God's counsel. And he continued in his bitter anger. And not only was he bitter against God, he was bitter against his brother, and he took matters into his own hand. That bitterness, that fire inside him, grew and grew and grew, and he took matters into his own hand. And he invited his brother out into the field. And in his anger, in his bitterness, in his, re- in, in his uh, uh, resentment, he sought revenge and vengeance, and he killed his brother. He killed his brother. And it started with Cain just being bitter. And that bitterness spun out of control. And now he killed his brother. In verses 11 and 14, it says, Now you're under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You'll be a restless wanderer on earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today, you're driving me from the land. And I will be hidden from your presence. I'll be a restless wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. It's interesting that Cain's bitterness spun out of control. And as a result, he was cursed with the consequences of his killing. And those consequences were, were just a few. First of all, Cain lost the ability to provide or produce for himself. He could no longer yield a crop from the ground. And so, his consequence of his bitterness spinning out of control was he was no longer able to produce and provide for himself. He also lost the opportunity to have a place of his own. He was going to be a homeless wanderer. He lost out on that opportunity to have a home because his bitterness spun out of control. The other thing he lost, he lost God's presence. His sins separated him from God, and and Cain knew that he would not be in God's presence. And the final final consequence of his bitterness spinning out of control was paranoia. Cain says to God, you know what, when people see me, they're going to kill me. Just because I killed my brother, now everyone's going to have it out for me, and they're going to want to kill me. Cain's bitterness spun out of control, and it and it left him with those consequences for the rest of his life. You know, bitterness is a non-productive, toxic emotion. A lot of times we justify our bitterness and we say, you know what, it, it it's deserving, and I can keep it under control. But it is, it's toxic. It never draws us closer to God, and it tricks us to thinking that the only person our bitterness affects is the person that I'm bitter towards. And we know that after a while, bitterness kind of takes control and it affects all of our relationships. It, affects, it impacts all of our relationships. And so, so that's the first display of bitterness in the Bible. Now let's, you know, let, let's define what exactly bitterness is. And if you had a dictionary in front of you this morning and you open up the dictionary, you'd get some of these, uh, some of these definitions about bitterness, one definition is this, having a harsh, disagreeable, sour taste. It's a bitter taste. That, that's one way that, that bitter, bitter is used. It is a bitter taste. That's one definition a dictionary will tell you. Another definition is hard to bear, grievous, distressful, disappointing. A bitter sorrow. Sometimes when, when, we, when we lost someone special to us, we, uh, we have a bitter sorrow. Where we're grieving. Another definition of bitterness is extremely cold, causing pain, piercing or stinging. A bitter chill. And you experience this if you spent too much time outside in the cold in the winter and not dressed warm enough, you'll get a bitter chill. But the definition that we want to look at this morning for bitterness is characterized by an intense animosity, resentment, hostility or anger, a bitter hatred. That's what we're focusing on when we're talking about bitterness this morning. And this bitter hatred is usually caused by either a bad experience or by being treated unfairly. That's bitterness, a bitter hatred. And so that's how the the, the dictionary defines bitterness. And you know what, bitterness, the word bitterness is found a few places throughout Scripture, and I want to look at a few of them this morning. In Acts chapter 8... We see, uh, we see bitterness is used, and it's, it's talking about Simon the sorcerer. In Acts chapter 8, uh, verses, 20, verses uh, um, 8, 9 through 25, we come across this guy by the name of Simon the sorcerer. And Simon lived in Samaria, and for a while he was the only show in Samaria. He was the only show in Samaria. He amazed all the people with his magic show, exercising control over nature and people, by means of demonic power, gaining lots of attention and fame. So Simon was a pretty, you know, it was kind of like the first circus, kind of traveling around, and, 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 and he was doing all these signs and wonders through demonic power. And then Philip comes on the scene one day, and he begins to share the, the, the good news of Jesus Christ And all of a sudden, people start responding and putting their faith in Jesus, and they get baptized. And here we see Simon even gets baptized. Now, Philip gained quite a following in Samaria. A lot of people trusted Christ, and so the Jerusalem church heard about this, and they decided, you know what, we're going to send Peter and John to see firsthand what is happening in this ministry in Samaria. And Peter and John were also going to go and pray and lay hands on those believers so they would receive the Holy Spirit. And so now Peter and John come, and, and they, they, put the, they lay their hands on the believers and pray, and they have received the Holy Spirit. And, Phil, and, and, and Simon is just like amazed. He, he watches this happen, and he's like, you know what, that is a great trick. That'll go great in my show. And so what does he do? He, he goes to Philip and, and, and Peter and John, and he says, you know what, I'll give you money if you give me the ability to do that trick. I'll give you some money if, if, if you enable me to do that. And in verse 20, Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Here, bitterness is talking about an extreme wickedness, and, and, and Peter says to Simon, you are extremely wicked. You are extremely wicked. Your heart is not right before God. It's talking about an extremely bitter, harsh, or distasteful condition. He is saying, you know what, Simon, you are, you are bitter. You're extremely wicked. You were just going through the motions. You just cared about your own fame. And you're full of sin. So that's bitterness in Acts chapter 8. In Romans chapter 3, Paul is talking about the sinful condition of man. And in Romans 3, he clearly states, you know what, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. We all struggle with sin alike. And in verses uh, and in verses 13 and 14, Paul says this, Their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit, the poison of vipers is on their lips, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Here Paul is talking about the sinful condition of man, and he's speaking specifically about how our mouths get us in trouble, and how, you know, with, with our mouths, we, we can sin very easily with our mouths. And Paul said, You know what? A person's character manifests itself in conversation. Think about that. A person's character manifests itself in their conversation. And Paul goes through and he's listing a few things in verses 13 and 14. He says, Sinner's speech is dishonest, It's, it's an open grave, it's deceitful, it's destructive like poison, and it's damaging, full of cursing and bitterness. Cursing carries the idea of desiring the worst for a person and making that desire public through open criticism and defamation. And bitterness here was used to describe an openly expressed emotional hostility towards an enemy. Sometimes, you know, we get bitter towards people, and we keep it inside. And, and, and we, we just keep that inside. Here in, in, in Romans 3, that bitterness has overflown, and now we make it known to anyone and everybody that I don't like that person, that I'm bitter towards that person, that that person is my enemy, that I'm hostile towards them. So that's Romans 3. In Ephesians 4, verse 31, we see another example of bitterness, and it says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. And here, bitterness is talking about smoldering, resentment, or a grudge-filled attitude. It's a grudge-filled attitude. We're holding a grudge. We're not releasing uh, a person. They may have hurt us or or did something to us, and and instead of forgiving, we're holding a grudge. It's a grudge-filled attitude. And look at the progression of... of, uh, of sin, You know, man's natural tendency is to sin, and that natural tendency is to grow into greater sin and more destructive sin. And it says, you know, bitterness leads to rage, an explosion of anger displayed by action, or it leads to anger, just feeling upset. It leads to brawling, anger that's publicly out of control. It leads to slander, ongoing defamation of someone. And finally, it leads to malice, a general ill will or wickedness. So bitterness is talking about a grudge-filled attitude here in Ephesians 4. And finally, in Colossians 3.19, Paul gives some instruction to Christian households. And and, and you probably have heard this verse at weddings a lot. In in Colossians 3.19, it says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh. And the New King James says, Do not be bitter with them. Husbands are to stop being bitter, or they're not to be in the habit of being bitter with their wives. They should not show a harsh temper Or resentment to their wives. They're not to irritate or exasperate them, but they're rather to provide loving leadership in the home. And so here, you know, we're not supposed to be harsh with our temper or or be resentful to our wives. And so that's just some some definitions of bitterness as we look through Scripture. Scripture. Now let's 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 explain bitterness a little bit. And as, as you know, uh, we, we've talked about what bitterness is. Let's explain how, how does it happen. And Paul in Ephesians four, it gives us some instructions for Christian living. And Paul says that as believers in Jesus Christ, we left our old self and a way of sin behind us, and we put on a new self that was created to know God, to grow in our relationship with Him, and, and to show others His love by our words and our deeds. And so, so it's a very familiar passage giving us some instructions for for christian living and as i was reading this passage this week and looking at all these things that as believers should be evidence in our life i came up with three reasons why bitterness happens and looking at these different characteristics that god wants to see in our life the first one is this bitterness happens when we stop telling the truth and we start lying Bitterness happens when we, start, when we stop telling the truth and start lying. In Ephesians 4.25, Therefore each one of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we're all members of one body. You know what? People aren't perfect. People aren't perfect. They knowingly or unknowingly disappoint us and hurt us. They're not perfect. In any relationship, you don't have a perfect relationship. And those people either at some point knowingly or unknowingly hurt you. So how are we going to respond when that happens? How are we going to respond? Are we going to tell the truth in those situations and try to work through the hurt and the pain? Are we going to lie? Are we going to act like there's nothing that's bothering us, that that, that nothing happened, and, and allow bitterness to build? When I think about how bitterness happens, bitterness is sparked by lies. Bitterness is a fire that, that that burns deep inside of us and it is sparked by lies. It's sparked by lies when we when we refuse to pursue the truth and live a lie. It's sparked by lies. But bitterness also happens when we stop pursuing peace and we allow ourselves to become angry. In Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, it goes on and says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. You know, not only people aren't aren't perfect, but you know what? People aren't mind readers. They're not mind readers. Uh, If we don't tell them the truth that we've been hurt or upset to the one who caused our pain, they may never realize what they've done to us. They may never realize it. They may never know that they've hurt us, and if they don't know what they've done, they certainly won't make it right. They certainly won't make it right. In our bitterness, we don't give them the benefit of the doubt, realizing that, that they may not have apologized or made it right because they didn't realize they did anything wrong. So when that happens, we're left with, with two choices. We can be a mature person and take the initiative and pursue peace. Even if someone has hurt us, and we feel maybe that, that we're starting to get a little bitter towards them, we can be mature and pursue peace and go to them and communicate about what happened and communicate our feelings and try to get the disagreement uh, uh, settled. Or we can be an immature person who would stew in their bitterness, which leads to careless and harmful choices. People aren't mind readers. Sometimes they do things that hurt us and they don't even realize they did it. And we can either pursue the truth and, and peace and try, to, and try to put that behind us or we can, uh, we can just be bitter inside and let that build to anger. Bitterness is fueled by anger. It's sparked by lies and it's fueled by anger. If we don't pursue peace, that anger will build inside of us. And finally, bitterness will happen if we stop using helpful words and become comfortable using harmful words. Ephesians 4, 29 and 30, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You know what? People aren't our verbal punching bags. They're not our verbal punching bags. God didn't place them in our lives for us to hurt and destroy them with our verbal jabs. It's not their place. God didn't put someone in your life that you could just pick on and just unload all your frustrations. He didn't do that. The reality for most of us is that when we're bitter and angry, we lash out verbally, not physically. Or at least it starts verbally. We lash out with our words, and our words are not full of kindness. They're full of Uh, of of really hateful things. And words can harm or heal, and the choice is up to us. It doesn't matter what someone has done to us. We can't control that. We only control how we respond. And our words can harm or it can heal. And it's clear that when we use cruel and corrupt words, it breaks God's heart and it saddens him greatly. In our series on James in chapter 3, at verses 9 and 10, James said, you know what? With our mouths, we praise God and, and we curse other people. And he said, James says, that should not be. That should not be. Bitterness is sparked by lies. It's fueled by anger and it scorches with cruel words. It scorches with cruel words. Bitterness is a fire that just burns inside us and if we don't deal with it it'll burn out of control so the question is how do we eliminate it how do we eliminate it from our lives ephesians 4 31 and 32 gives us the answer get rid of all bitterness rage and anger brawling and slander along with every form of malice be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in christ god forgave you You know, in that first, in in, in verse 31, it says, hey, the byproducts of not dealing with bitterness are are those things we talked about, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice. Those are the byproducts of allowing the fire of bitterness to burn inside of us. And then they come out of us. And so how do we extinguish this fire of, of, of bitterness? The first thing is we need to pursue forgiveness. We need to pursue forgiveness Colossians 3 13 said bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another forgive as the Lord forgave you so I was thinking about forgiveness I was thinking about Christ's forgiveness for us you know what Christ's forgiveness for us is not based on our conduct it's based on his character it's based on his love and concern for us. His, his forgiveness is not based on whether or not, you know, uh, I, I, uh, how I conduct myself, it's based on his character. So, you know, I can never do enough good things to, to earn his forgiveness. He forgives me because he loves me. Because he desires to have a relationship with me. It's not based on my conduct, it's based on his character. And you know what? As Christians, and, and I include myself in this because it's so true in my life, We're selfish with God's forgiveness. We're selfish with God's forgiveness, not willing to share it with others, especially those who have hurt us. You know what? When we have sinned against God, we are quick to claim his forgiveness. We're quick to go to him and ask him for forgiveness, hopefully, so that we don't have any secret sins in our life like we talked about last week. But you know what? We are quick to to claim God's forgiveness, but as Christians, you know what we're, we're slow to do? When someone hurts us, we're slow to extend that forgiveness to other people. We're hypocritical. And I do it all the time. Because that person hurt me. That person said something or did something that, 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 that I just can't forgive. And that's not right. It's not right. The word forgive means to wipe the slate clean, to pardon, to cancel a debt. Forgiveness is giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. To get that forgiveness is giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. And that's not easy. The only way that we really can, can, can do that is it's, it's by the power of God and his Holy Spirit working through us because our natural sinful response is revenge. It's not forgiveness. Forgiveness always seems so easy when we need it and so hard when we need to give it. And that is so, so true. So when it comes to forgiveness, if we want to conquer bitterness, we need to forgive, and we need to forgive whoever, whenever, for whatever. Forgive whoever, whenever, for whatever. That pretty much covers covers the whole gamut, doesn't it? God has forgiven us, and he wants us to extend that forgiveness unconditionally. Unconditionally. To other people, and if we don't pursue forgiveness, bitterness will have won. It will consume us. That's the first step: is is is, is, is pursuing forgiveness. The second step is pursuing kindness. Colossians three twelve. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You know what? Genuine forgiveness produces compassion and action. But you got to forgive first, because if you don't truly forgive, if you you don't truly forgive that person, you're never going to want to compassionately act towards that person. If you haven't forgiven that person, that bitterness is still inside of you, your natural response is to act. It's just not going to be full of compassion. It's going to be, you know what, I'm going to get revenge. I'm going to get even. You did this to me, I'm going to do this to you. And so we need to forgive first, and then we need to be kind. And we need to pursue compassionate action. That's the telltale sign that we've truly forgiven. That we haven't held on to our bitterness. That we've forgiven that person, and so now we, instead of, instead of wanting them harmed, we want to help. Instead of wanting to see them fail, we want to see them succeed. Instead of wanting them to feel hatred, we want to see them experience love. That's how we extinguish and eliminate the fire of bitterness from our lives. We need to forgive, pursue forgiveness, and pursue kindness. Can I be honest with you as we close this morning? I sometimes struggle with bitterness. Someone will say or do something that hurts my feelings, and instead of telling the truth and pursuing peace, I lie and act like everything's all right. It happens to me all the time. I mean, it's just especially because my personality, I'm, I'm not a confronter. And so, so that's just what happens. If someone hurts me and I don't pursue peace, I don't pursue the truth, I lie and act like I'm fine. But you know what? I'm, I'm really not that great of an actor because my, that bitterness tends to grow in my life. It tends to grow and kind of take over. And it affects my interaction with that person. It affects the way that I talk to them, the way that I treat them. And in my bitterness, I, I'm sad to say that I, I usually do more harm. Than the original harm that person did to me. Because I was bitter. Because I was bitter. I'm left with a choice at that point. And usually, God takes a two by four and kind of hits me over the, side of the head and, and says, Jonathan, this is this is this is stupid. This is wrong. You're bitter, you need to deal with it. And I'm left with a choice. Do I pursue forgiveness for my action and restore the relationship? Or do I continue in my bitterness and and risk losing the relationship and continue to harm that person with my words and my actions? We do a lot of times, a lot of times we justify bitterness in our life. Well, you don't know what they did to me. It doesn't matter what they did to us. As believers in Jesus Christ, we we represent him here on earth. He unconditionally forgave us. We need to extend unconditional forgiveness. Bitterness is a sin and it's wrong, and it can take over our lives and affect every area of our life. Don't let the fire of bitterness burn uncontrolled in your life. Pursue forgiveness. Pursue kindness. Extinguish it today. Father, thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. Thank you for just the reminder this morning that there are so many times when things happen and, and we feel hurt and, and, and neglected and betrayed. And, and, and Lord, we know that uh, sinful nature is to respond and retaliate and seek revenge to be bitter and, and to, to harbor that bitterness inside us. And when we do that, that bitterness grows and it, it burns out of control and it, and it scorches other people around us with our words. And, and it doesn't just stop with our words. If we continue to allow bitterness to consume us and feed that, uh, that anger, then it sometimes leads to action. Lord, forgive us when we've been bitter. Forgive us when we haven't represented you well. Forgive us when when we've refused to extend forgiveness and chosen to continue in our bitterness. Father, may we be known as people who aren't bitter, who are quick to deal with, with disagreements and hurts, to pursue the truth and pursue peace and pursue healing and forgiveness. And not to wallow in self-pity and, and, and hatred and bitterness. In Jesus' name.